Welcome to the My Risk Advisor podcast. This podcast is for anyone in the Australian financial planning ecosystem with a focus on life risk insurance. Whether you're a seasoned advisor or just starting out, I think you'll get heaps of value out of this podcast. I'm your host, Phil Thompson, and I'm a life risk insurance specialist, and you're listening to My Risk Advisor. Hey there, welcome to the My Risk Advisor podcast. Today, I've got a great episode with Mel Ware, who is the head of marketing and branding at Zurich One Path. Now, get your pen and paper ready because I literally wrote four pages worth of notes while having a chat with Mel. So, we go into lots of things about how to attract new clients, how to think about setting up a marketing plan. So, you get heaps of value out of this episode. Now, before we get started, we can't do this podcast without the help from Zurich and OnePath. So, I want to start by saying thank you. Zurich and OnePath are your partners in life and are also proud supporters of the My Risk Advisor podcast. Thanks, Mel. I really appreciate you coming on the podcast today. So, before we get started, help us understand kind of your journey in marketing and branding in kind of the financial services space. Awesome. Thank you. So, uh, yeah, I'm Mel Ware. I'm head of marketing and brand at Zurich and OnePath. Um, I'm lucky enough to have worked as a marketer my entire career and always in financial services. I really love what we get to do to help people in their time of need. And I'm also really lucky to work for a business that gets to do really good things. um, And I get to tell really good stories as a result. Um, Prior to joining Zurich and OnePath, I was at CBA in the wealth division, looking after all things super insurance and advice and prior to that home loans. So I love the financial services space. Yeah, cool. And so, this conversation will be about marketing, how do advice firms think about marketing and a little bit of branding, but we've done a few episodes in the past. If if you are new to listening, um, we've done a few episodes about branding and thinking about that. So, this would be more about the actual marketing and trying to attract new clients. So, I guess just broadly, how should financial advice firms be thinking about marketing to, to attract new clients? So, I think first thing in our category, it's, you know, trust is key. Customers really want to know that their needs and interests are being looked after. And I think our category is really complex and intimidating. So, it's our role uh, within the advice industry, but also from a marketing point of view is to help bridge some of those knowledge gaps and eliminate a bit of uncertainty. And so I think marketing can really help you do that, but do it at scale. And so it's about telling stories about your business in a way that helps you attract new clients and customers. And so today I can kind of step you through, I guess, three stages um, of the marketing process, which is planning the activity itself and then the results and how that helps really drive that impact and and attract new customers. Because I think often we jump straight into the tactics, what's the marketing activity that I can do? And um, before doing some of the thinking up front to go, what's the really important stuff that I need to do to use marketing to, to grow my business? Cool. Awesome. Well, let's let's start with that, the planning stage. What are we thinking about? How are we thinking about, you know, planning out a marketing strategy? Yeah. So, if we want to start by looking at defining which clients we actually want to attract first, and so let's consider it across four key areas, like audience, 
then the targets that we want to hit. So what what does success look like? Um, what learnings based on things that we've done in the past, and and then the overarching marketing objective. So when we think of audience, it's you know what particular segment that are we looking to grow? What kind of customers do we want to have more of? Um, what customers convert for us at the moment, and and why? So it's good to look firstly, I guess, at the data and, and what your data is telling you. Which of your clients are stickier? What ones drive the most amount of value? Um, and we're really lucky in advice that we have a deeper knowledge and understanding of our clients compared to a lot of other categories. So how do you kind of take some of those insights and then aggregate it up into a bit of a segment level? So can you break up your audience groups into segments and do it not necessarily from a revenue or a value focus, but do it more around the customer needs and what's driving that and what life stage they're at? And so if you start with defining the audience around those segments and let's kind of go basic and go, all right, we've got young and independent segments, those that are starting out, they're beginning of their career, they've got short-term debt, fewer financial commitments. Then the next segment might be the emerging families, wealth building, career building, longer-term debt, established families, so add into the mix there, you know, older children um, and maybe at the point of reducing mortgage and then on to empty nesters and retirees. Mm. So if we think about it along those life stages, let's put some meaning around what that actually means. So you know what makes sense for them from uh, from the advice point of view. What are then what are their needs, risks? What's keeping them up at night? And then anthropologically, how do you kind of tap into that? What's their behaviours and interests? And so if you get more of a picture based on your experience of what those customers look like, then you can start to think through what are the activities that really are going to help you reach those audience groups. And so the next stage would be around, I guess, targets and and the success. So. How many customers do we want to reach and, and acquire? Um, what segment do we want to, to grow in? So do we naturally over or under index in one of those segments? Do we want to make sure that we're focusing and growing for either focusing our business in one particular segment or do we want to grow a different segment so that we're diversifying our book? Um, and then work out exactly what the capacity is to serve. So you know, we want to set a target and do it in a controlled way. So we might turn on the marketing tap and, and get all these leads, but we don't want to blow up the business to service those leads and we don't want to burn those leads and waste the money. So it's it's doing mm. it in a way that's really sustainable for your business. So getting clear around how many people do you want to target and what what does your capacity help you serve? And then I think it's, you know, as I mentioned before, it's, it's about looking at learning. So what things have worked for you in the past? What's really delivered a good return on investment? What kind of marketing activities give you greater conversion? And so that way you can look at what you want to stop, start and continue to feed into that mix. And then I think if you've done a bit of a look back and the analysis on the insights of what's worked for, for the past and what you're looking, where you're looking to grow, then you can look at what your marketing objective is. So, you know, it's, it's all about looking at what is the outcome that you're trying to achieve from a marketing point of view um, to really get you started so that the activities line up to, to suit that. So it might be, you know, and I think it's important to be specific around the marketing mm. objective. I want to grow and future-proof my book by attracting more clients in the emerging families segment, for example. So really pointy and clear. But then make it measurable. So I want to grow by X percent um, and I want to make sure that emerging families end up being X percent of my of my book by, by whatever date. And then actionable. Is it something that, you know, your team, that you and your team really understand and can kind of get behind and naturally you think of all these different ideas that just keep flowing around how you could bring that to life and how can you reach that, that segment? 
And then lastly, um, it's being realistic and making sure that it's got a time. It, it's, it's bound by time. So realistic is, you know, do we have the capacity to serve? Do we have the budget? Can the resources, you know, the resources that we have in our business actually help us do, do that? So I think it's important not to just dip in and out of marketing. I think if you're going to do marketing, do it, you know, pull together the plan and and do it with purpose so whether it's yourself individually one day a week however many days a month um or if you want to make someone in your practice responsible for delivering it um and be clear around that objective over what time period let's give it a shot and let's set the objective and the goal and to reach it by the end of the year for example so Mm. yeah the thing I love most about doing these interviews is I get to ask a whole bunch of really, really smart people uh, questions about my business and uh, get to do it for free, which is great. So, thanks, Mel, for uh, having this uh, one-on-one session with me that other people get to listen to. So, in terms of like, you know, let's just touch on that top level like segmenting. So, um, like for, for my business, we've kind of, we only do insurance. So, 100% insurance only and predominantly um, our average age is like 33 years old and that's kind of our sweet spot. Anywhere like 25 to 40 is kind of our top end normally. Now, we have people outside of that but that's our, that's our standard kind of segment and when we target our messaging, that's really what we kind of target towards. We really try and go, that's working for us. You know, we, we're in that space so we, we really do target that. Capacity is a really interesting one where you were talking about like making sure you can actually execute on it. No point in marketing <laughs> um, if you can't actually execute on it. So, um, and then, yeah, about, about what are your learnings and, you know, making sure it's realistic. I think we, in my business, I just hired a marketing person full-time three months ago and we are fortunate in our business that we've got more leads than we can kind of execute on. At the moment, so we're we're struggling with that capacity, but I still brought a marketing person on because I want to make sure we're building for those leads in a year or two's time. So the way I think about marketing within my own business is how do I build up structures, processes, and um, you know, and infrastructure around our marketing so it brings in the client not today, not tomorrow, but in a year or two or three years time. Um, because I've, in the past, that's kind of worked well for me is I put a lot of effort in. And it, you don't really get the return straight away. It takes a long time. Yeah, and I think what you've touched on there is some um, beautiful themes around getting the foundations right. So, um, you know, we've talked a little bit before around what audience do you want to reach, but also being really clear around what it is that you stand for as a business. What does your brand stand for? What's your customer value proposition? And then really stress testing that to say, you know, how do I make that unique? And then how do you pull it through everything? Um, so a perfect example is, Our website, our social media handles, all the Google searches and reviews, they're almost, I think of those as our digital shop front. So even before you're kind of pulling people to come through that that front door of your digital shop front, how do you make sure that you've got that, that shop front really humming for you? Um, so it's really it's worthwhile spending the time to to make sure that you've got those foundations right. So do a quick audit, make sure they're all doing what you want them to do, um, what you want them to say. And then I think if you only do one thing and, and like preparedness is just making sure those core assets are really consistent. They say something about you. They say something about your practice. So even if the only activity you're doing is word of mouth or referrals from existing clients, when they land on those assets and check you out and do their own desktop research, then that word of mouth referral is validated because of the experience that they have um, and they can feel your value proposition coming to life through those core assets. Mm, yeah, and that's um, 
Yeah, re- really. I mean, I, as I said, I just think about my own business and, and how do I do, what do I take away from this conversation? Yeah. Um, and I think for me, one thing you said before is it's, it's no good jumping in and out. Like that doesn't work. If, you, if you're coming into the space and starting to market your business and then you pull out pretty soon, then it's kind of almost wasted. Um, so would you say it's much better just to do much less but for a long, long time than to kind of jump in. Yeah, absolutely. And to do it well, right? So even if you just start with one thing and see how it performs for you, what kind of results it gives you, and then take that one thing and then build with something else and even test and learn. And you might tweak something and and make it just a little bit more personal, that little bit more tailored to the segment that you're looking to grow, the 33-year-old sweet spots that you were talking about before. What what kind of helps you get greater conversion and greater cut through um, and just keep adding and adding to that? Um, Because I think, you know, when you look at marketing, there's a lot that we can do. There's millions of different activities and tactics Mm. that we can step into. But if you do thinking up front and really know your audience and who you're trying to hit and what what success looks like for you, then that helps you narrow down some of those tactics. And I think doing a few things really well is better than just doing this spray scattergun and trying to be everywhere. Because firstly, you won't do it well enough to get the cut through that you're after. And then you also won't know what's working really well for you if you're doing a lot all at once. Um, and we don't, we'd love to have the problem where we've got way too much money to spend on marketing and way too much time, but we don't. And so let's point our resources, uh, which is our time and our, our budgets, in the things that's actually going to really have an impact for, for our business. Yeah. If if Zurich doesn't have enough money to pour into resources, then, then us as small business advisors definitely don't have enough resources um, <laughs> that we want. So you talked about, you know, first of all, let's, start, let's think about the planning. Let's actually be thoughtful around our marketing. And then the second thing was... Was like the, the tactics and, and what to do. So, you know, moving on to this one-on-one consulting session that we're doing. So, you know, our from a planning point of view, we've got a very clear market that we want to address. So, what are some of those those tactics that that you would suggest for Sky Wealth um, to kind of start executing on? Beautiful. So I think um, if I think of it around a center of influence as a bit of a ripple, closest to that beginning of that ripple are our existing customers. And so I think there's activities that we can do around tapping into that as an opportunity. Then there's our referral base. And then there's probably a broader audience of those who are considering advice, but need a little bit of a nudge and they're not known to us. So if we kind of start with ripple one of getting referrals from our existing customers, I think what's really important here is, you know, to keep them engaged with the advice that's already been provided and then continue to turn them from supporters through to advocates. And so that's all about continuing to create community and engagement through education. And so what's the kind of things that you can do here? You can do a lot around thought leadership, education and content. Share with them, you know, what's going on in the markets if you're if you're doing holistic advice or if you're focused on, on insurance, then how to get more value from the cover that you have or how to right-size the cover that you've got in place. And then just easy tips and tricks about knowing and understanding your insurance because, and then the final thing I'd say is there's nothing more powerful for that existing base around sharing case studies, showing how people, how you've helped others um, so that customers can start to consider the the what else but how do you turn then if you've nurtured them from supporters through to advocates how do you then turn them specifically from advocates to referrers Um, and the key thing here is is really starting to to ask for it so ask for the the referral but in a really authentic way so if I can help you please call me on x and if I can help someone that you care about please refer to them by doing 
why. Um, and so kind of nurturing them through and making them true advocates and then including the ask around how can they help people within their network. And then I think Ripple 2, which if we're looking at referrals from referral partners, um, we've all got referral networks and we tap into them in terms of how we create that value exchange for different referral partners and drive our business. So you've all got them, local business groups, accountants, agents, brokers, whoever they might be. Um, I think it's starting with a value exchange around what does a good referral look like for them and then flipping it back to, to share a snippet around what kind of clients might be able to help you. Um, and then once that's kind of established, you can start to, to share information back and forth. So there might be one-on-one thank you emails for the recent referrals. If there's anyone else in your network that might benefit from something similar. So playing back the feedback, showing that you've, you've taken care of that referral, but then kind of doing the extension on that. Um, and then I think the third ripple is around looking at, at new acquisition opportunities that are probably not as warmed up, um, a little cooler. So um, think of the, the clients that haven't been referred, um, but maybe they've been identified by a life stage segment or they're warmed up to, to the prospects of advice. So how do we reach those kinds of clients and what kind of activities would work there? As I said before, there's probably a million things that you could do. I'm going to run just through a few, but if you start with what you're trying to achieve first and then narrow it down, the activity starts to fall out based on what those audiences look like and those customers look like. So I think linking back to where I said, let's get the basics right first, let's get your your digital front door sorted. The next extension of that is organic search. So People will, will search for financial advice. In fact, year on year um, since 2018, the, the search terms have really increased. And so how do you make sure that you get further up that organic search, trying to get to page one of the, the results, if you can, for your local area, um, by making sure the content on your website helps you with the search engine optimization. So this is bringing any kind of content or blogs onto your website so that when people are typing in those searches, those search terms and looking for financial advisor in Bondi Junction, then you might come, you start to index a little closer to the top of that. Um, so that's organic search. You can also put some more money behind that search and use different tools like Google for paid search. Um, and that helps you really put yourself even further up that front page of results um, for the advertised and sponsored um, results. And you might select certain terms like financial planning, financial advice, um, but then throw location in there too so that you narrow it down and it's in your serviceable area. Um, so there's a lot that you can do in that context. And then if I continue on the digital front, social media absolutely is one of the most cost-effective ways um, to reach a really targeted audience. And a great thing about social media is, you know, people like uh, Facebook and Instagram and LinkedIn, they want you on their platforms. They want you targeting and doing social selling. So they've got a lot of tools to really help you guide, to help guide you through that. So let's think around if you're wanting to use Facebook, Instagram, or LinkedIn for, for social purposes, what 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 might we do? Um, you can do things like re- organic posts. You can put money behind your post to to boost it and to reach more of an audience, so it goes beyond just your own followers. Um, you can promote your business and and look to promote your page. You can place ads and sponsored content, and so all of that starts to sound like it's a lot. Um, but there are, as I said, there's really great tools that sit on on Meta, who own Facebook and who own Instagram, to really step you through firstly the planning process but then also step by step what kind of ads could work and you don't need to be a multinational corporate to to be doing things like that you can put as little as a hundred dollars behind your your post 
post and to reach a really targeted group. So you might decide that if your target audience is emerging emerging families, um, then you will look to target customers with a message based on a few different um, factors and demographics. Do they have children? Do they have a mortgage? And you can get really pointy around that and, and then set your limits and your budget and just try some stuff. Try posting a video, try try posting um, a thought leadership piece and then see what the results are. Um, I think the greatest results come from just test and learn and that constant iteration and it doesn't need to be a lot of money. You could start really small. There's no minimum spend to be able to put um, some money on behind some social campaigns and, and posts. Um, and then you can see what, what drives different engagement from your audience and what's going to turn faster into a converted lead for you. Yeah, yeah. Um- all right, so I mean, three pages of my notepad all filled up, which is good. Um, I guess some of the questions I, mean, I just think about as you were talking about all of that stuff, like, oh my goodness, there is so much. Like, it can be overwhelming when yeah. you're a small business owner. I got a client calling me, got five emails I need to respond to, and then now I've got to do SEO and social and all of this stuff. So, do you think it's worthwhile? advisors employing like consultants to, to be experts in those areas and bring them into their business? Is that worthwhile? So I think that comes back to, to capability, which is one of the things that you need to consider um, when you're looking to to commit time to marketing so that you're not just doing it on the side of your desk or you're not just, you know, doing it and it drops off your to-do list quite quickly. So, um, so absolutely, I probably wouldn't jump straight to hiring. I'd probably start with if there's lots of great marketers that specialize in in supporting um, small, medium, large businesses uh, to, to get you started and to set out a marketing plan for you. Um, you might be able to just go, start me small, here's my budget and here's the max amount of time that I've really got to, to commit to it. So help me figure out exactly what it is that I should be doing in this space. Um, yeah. As I said before, if you if you do nothing, then just focus on getting your digital shop front up and running. What do your social media handles look like? Um, how do you make your web, sure your website is nice and clean? Um, and then you can just maybe you do that for quarter one, and then quarter two, maybe you start to do some posts and have a bit of a social media content. Um, approach and you're just doing, you're not putting any money behind it. You're just doing posts to see what kind of things your audience really likes and starts to engage with. Then once you're kind of feeling more comfortable there, maybe the next quarter you're putting some spend behind it. And so you don't need to start big bang and do everything all at once. You can really just break it down depending on um, what what's important for your business and how much capacity and, you've got. And what are your thoughts on the advisors who are listening to this podcast going, we've been in business for 20 years, Mel. We don't need to do any of that social media jazz. We, you know, that's all, you know, all marketing is black magic. We don't understand it and we've kind of been ticking along pretty well for the last 20 years. Do you think it's still, like, do you think it's worth every business executing on some form of marketing or do you think there are some businesses out there, well, if you don't do it, that's fine? Um, I'd say if you've been in business already for 20 years and you probably have been doing marketing and you haven't even realized that you've been doing it, but I take it back to who are the audiences that you're trying to connect with to grow your business. Um, and so if you're trying to connect to a younger segment, um, and you don't have, you don't have that footprint, you don't have that word of mouth there, then you need to look at different ways to, to create it. And so I would start with just asking the question, who am I trying to reach? And then how best do, how best do I reach them? And it's funny you say dark magic, because I do think marketing is equal parts, um, art 
and now science. Um, now that we're, it's very digitized, it's very success and, and end results. So you can actually see the results through a conversion funnel. So you might start with, an, with a piece, someone might see it, then they might, you know, engage with it. And then you can, you can follow that through to, you know, completing a form as expression of interest, or it might even be to first appointment and then to SOA. And if you, if you do some tracking, you can actually say, well, where am I getting those leads from? Um, and then how do I get more of those? How do I do a lookalike? I want more of that activity and less of the other. The other thing I'd say is we're, as businesses that operate within our community, we get inundated with requests to support different things, different charities, sponsor different events, sponsor different teams. And so you're probably doing it um, without even realising you're doing it. What I'm talking about is bringing even just a little, just lifting it a little bit so you get even more value out of those relationships and those engagements. So maybe I'll use an example of, of sponsorship. So there's a lot, local sponsorship is a really great cost-effective way to, to create and, and get brand awareness in your community and gain exposure and increase your, re- your reach. But maybe your objective is all around driving leads. So the brand awareness is a nice to have. People know people know about us, but we want to convert them to, to actually leads and calls and, and, and people through the doors. So what is it that we need to do to, to, to get it to that? And so it might be working with any of the, spot, the partnerships or the sponsorship requests that you get to say, um, I want to really drive a member-based campaign if you're a footy, if you're a local footy club. How do I make sure that I've got access to your membership through emails, through different events, all that kind of stuff, and set a metric around it to go, it'll be nice to do all this activity, but at the end of the day, what success looks like for me is to, to, to support my local community, but also get X number of referrals out of it um, and make it really clear to those partnerships what you're looking to achieve so they in return can really help you do that. Um, they can drive that, help drive that value for you. Mm. Do you think there is a, a minimum like time required to invest into it or a minimum spend? So if, you, if I'm a, you know, a small business, do you think we should think about it as you need to spend X percentage of your time on this or you know, if you're... If your revenue is $100,000, you should be thinking about spending a minimum of $5,000 before you even think about, you know, getting into marketing. Yeah, look, I think historically there was always a bit of a metric for if your turnover is X, you should have a, a Y percent dedicated to um to your marketing spend. But I think now that social media and digital marketing is so cost effective that those kind of old metrics don't necessarily work. I think it's more around how much time and effort you focus on it. So it's more the human capital rather than the, the dollars. Um, and I would say, you know, you'd be wanting to spend a portion of your week. It could just be a couple of hours of your week actually sitting down and going, all right, I've got my calendar of activity here. What stuff do I really need to focus on? What drove value last week? What do I need to do for next week? Um, and then what stuff do I can too? Like if you're looking at results, you don't want to just keep adding, adding, adding to your marketing list. You actually want to just start ditching the stuff that's not working for you so that you can focus more time on the stuff that is. Um, and I would say in terms of how long do you need to be in market with things, um, I think you probably need to, if you're looking to do a pilot or trialing some, some activity, then you'd need a couple of months for any individual activity. But what you'd want to see is an uplift over a, a six to 12 month period. So I think I would really give it that long to see what the cumulative impact is of, of all of your marketing efforts. Yeah. And I mean, that's, that's great kind of 
indication of like maybe there's not really a minimum you know spend or minimum time to get into it but you've got to think about what if you're going to start you need to commit for a minimum period of time before you give up on it even if it's not working because it may not produce anything within that you know first 12 months and so I guess that kind of comes on to the the third thing that you're talking about is is learnings and you know kind of metrics in in learning about what's working what what isn't working like you know, how do we think about that? Yeah, so as I said before, it's um, marketing is part art and part science. So the science component is you're looking at the conversion model. So um, how many people did you reach with any of your marketing activity? How many then started to consider you? Did they convert to a lead or an inquiry? Then from that, how many converted to a first appointment and then an SOA? So it's really good practice to start to think about the conversion through that funnel and look at how you optimise it. Are you getting a stack of eyeballs up front, but then it's not really turning into a lead? And what point does it really drop off? And then you can, you know, if you're doing that measurement, you can learn and then adjust your activity to suit. Um, Now, you know, larger practices may well have their own CRM and marketing technology stack to help with that. Um, But it actually, even if you've got a sophisticated CRM, you don't necessarily need to just to use that. It could be a really well thought out Excel spreadsheet to kind of track your, to track all your all your leads and to start to track your return on investment. And so that's the important thing to look at. So if we look at that convert going through the conversion funnel, what's the end outcome in terms of um, sales or leads, and then divide that by cost, and then that helps you give a bit of a benchmark. To the different activities. So, you know, a great example might be that you've boosted a social media post and put $100 behind a social post and it's generated 12 leads for you. And that will give you an ROI of 12%. Similarly, you know, you may have been asked to exhibit at a local council business expo. Um, Maybe you got 100 leads, but it cost you $5,000. And so you can kind of work out what's going to give you the greatest ROI overall. Um, And then I'd also say, don't be afraid with any of your marketing to, to test different messages. So for social media or email campaigns, maybe do some A-B testing. So, you know, try one message over another. Um, try fear-based communications over emotional or rational and see what really works with your audience. Um, because I think if you look at the return on investment and see what actually drives the results, as I said, it helps you do the stop, start, continue for the next year's activities but it feeds the plans for the for the year ahead and it means that you're only focusing on activities that really do drive an outcome for for you and your business. And and I guess the way I think about it is it's a hard balance between going well we need to see results today because we're just we're not going to just keep throwing good money after bad on on this marketing. But also I want to have a long-term view where I'm going to invest for 12 months regardless of the outcome because we're not going to know the outcome. Like it's it's a hard balance. How do you how would you advise, you know, a small business I don't know, like myself, how to, how to go about that and how to think about that balance between making sure you're investing enough but don't just, you know, just waste your money on, on certain yeah. um, kind of efforts. I think some stuff you'll get a bit of a sugar hit and a quick win on as well. So some of the digital stuff will be fast and upfront but some of the other stuff might be, be a longer tail. So my suggestion would be to do, do your plans, think about the kind of activities that you want to have and then just have a calendar that sets out what you're going to do for that quarter. 
and then see what the results are from that quarter. And you might be able to do some tweaking and adjustments for the quarter after and the quarter after. Um, so kind of have an, an end objective in mind, but break it down by quarter um, so that you're not trying to boil the ocean or do too much, but you're also not throwing good money after bad. Um, and you'll be able to see where you get the sugar hits of some of the results um, while you're waiting for some of those longer term returns that, that will come through. Um, because sometimes acquisition does take a long time, right? So you might have done some advertising um, or even met with a client and maybe they're not ready for it just yet. But if you if they keep seeing you active in the community and then active in their socials, then they're going to stay warm for when they are ready and that will pay off down track. Yeah, and that's like my my own previous experience doing marketing stuff like you know years and years ago I did videos and those videos in and of itself at the point in time they really didn't net me a great return on investment and I I like committed to doing I think I did 100 videos um and and just them alone it was it was a pretty bad activity um cuz at that point in time I wasn't bringing on many clients from those videos but today I see our business is built off the the partnerships that we built and I can kind of point to those videos as we were a person of authority at that point in time that helped us, you know, build those partnerships that have created our business today. So even though, you know, those videos are sitting there stale, they're not performing or doing anything today, but they built those relationships for me. Um, and so that's why today I think about the new marketing efforts is I don't care about tomorrow. I don't care about a month. I don't care about 12 months. I care about like what is that what is the marketing we invest in today? How is that going to impact three years or five years from now? Um, but, you know, we're fortunate we're paying bills and we're able to kind of think five years ahead. Um, but, yeah, I've always thought about marketing as close my eyes, spend the money. It'll if, if we're doing the right thing and doing kind of the right tactics, we'll get there eventually. Is that a good way of thinking or am I just being an idiot thinking? No, no, it's a great way of thinking because I think all of that, what you're talking about with the videos and the content, Videos can absolutely drive value for you today, but also over the longer term. So you might get some eyeballs through marketing activity that looks at, that helps you, that people are consuming that, that content. But then you're adding to the story that you're telling on your website. Um, and that will help keep that search engine optimization going on longer term. And you'll just keep building up that library so that you've got more assets to be able to use from a marketing point of view. The other thing that I'd say is, you know, building content is nowhere near as expensive as what it used to be. Um, and I think we have influencers to thank for that. So people don't expect to have the 100% beautifully polished, amazing backdrops. Um, the other thing that helps is probably COVID has, has helped us just use the technology that we have to tell those stories. So you can be your own content creator. You could do, you could film your own little soundbite, um, take your own shot, whatever it might be, and just have a really quick video piece that's going to really help you tell that story for your audience. And it doesn't need to be perfect. It just needs to be authentic and well-considered for the audience's needs. Yeah. And the good thing about financial services, unlike a lot of industries, is we have these big, massive behemoth of companies that want us to succeed as a small business owner. So you've got the Zurichs of the world who want us to be the best we can be um, because we help recommend the, the products. Nice. And so, you know, how do, how do we as advisors think about, you know, our, the product providers helping us and, and what are some of those supports that we can, you know, lean on those you know, the malwares of the world who are, who had got, you know, a whole bunch of marketing people in her team um, who can help us. How do we think about that? 
Uh, it's an awesome question. I think, um, you know, as you said before, it's, it can be a bit overwhelming and you don't know where to start. So um, I think we've got a great tool on our One Path Clarity site, which is called Engage, and it's got some really great content that's white labeled that you can use. And so it was, and so you can start with that. Um, the other thing that it's got is some really good tips and tricks around how to do your marketing objective, what calendar and how to time out um, your, your different activity. And so have a chat to your Zurich and OnePath BDM so that they can access those tools for you. And they'll be also be able to help you work out what elements what might work best um, to really reach that, that target audience that you're after. Uh, and then if you're wanting to find out a little bit more, we've got our zone education with some great modules um, around, you know, effective communication, how to turn your customers into raving fans um, and how to make sure that, you know, you can amplify your expertise and, and tell your story and tell it well. So um, that's definitely, you know, two things that both Zurich and OnePath can, can help you with. Um, but the other thing that I'd say is there's a lot of great tools that are out there. So I mentioned before that, you know, Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, they've got really great tutorials and step-by-step guides on how to get started with social media and digital. And then on LinkedIn, um, with LinkedIn Learning, there are really easy bite-sized modules that you can also um, yourself or your teams with, with that knowledge. So that's where I'd start. Don't feel like you need to create it from scratch. Definitely hack from others that have done it before and start with, with your Zurich and your OnePath BDMs. Um, they'll be able to give you a bit of a steer. And even uh, like the the Zurich Zone education session. Now, a lot of that's aimed at educating advisors and advice practices on on certain topics, educa- uh, like insurance-wise. But even pulling that off and going, you know, at the end of the day, we've got to educate our clients on all of these insurance contracts and all of these terms. Like how does, you know, how do we just take some of that content, reproduce it in our own voice, in our own way and um, and and using that as content? Because at the end of the day, we just want to educate our clients and, and educated clients make better informed clients and, 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 and the whole... Advocates, as we were saying before. So, yeah, I think there's there's lots of great content that's out there. Um, have a look on the on the One Path Clarity website. There's some really good tools around helping customers better understand the, the cover that they have or the cover that they need. Um, and then you can use those for your own tailored communication. So, you don't... And then you can you take, take our first pass at it um, that's been tested and has been proven already, um, but then personalise it and really make it your own Hmm. awesome well this has been really helpful Uh, i got three questions to end this excellent first question is when do you get a chance to do your emails (laughs) yeah is in when do you set up your emails or send well what what no for you personally internal communications do you do them in the morning all throughout the day? What does that look like? Yeah, so I don't do my emails first thing in the morning um, because then I think that I'm responding to other people's emergencies. Um, so instead what I do is just spend 15 minutes looking at what are the big rocks that I need to do uh, for the days the days ahead. And then once I've got that sorted, I look at the email straight after. Yeah. <laughs> so cool. mid-morning. And what's one interesting hobby that you have? Ooh, I'm a secret knitter. I really love knitting. So I'm not very good at it, but I love it. All right. Question, follow-on question. Do you knit while watching? Are you that good you can watch TV and just knit without looking at it? It do, I think it depends on my um, headspace. So, yes, sometimes if it's uncluttered and I'm, I can, I'm happy to kind of watch and do multiple things at once, then I'll do it multiple things at once. But if I need mindfulness, which is really what I use knitting for, um, then it'll be just single focus and having some quiet yeah. time. 
Awesome. And last question, what's, what's one book recommendation? I'm getting into audio books and trying to read as many books as I can. Give me a good book recommendation. I actually haven't read any books, but I'm also getting into audio books too. And I really love Lee Sales' um, Any Ordinary Day. And it's all around, yeah, it's all around recovering from the unexpected, which really ties in nicely to what we do in terms of advice. But it's um, families and individuals who have suffered massive trauma. What is it that they've done post that trauma and how do they continue? So loss of a loved one or a big thing that's happened to them physically or personally. So really interesting and very topical. Awesome. Sales about to retire from ABC. Yeah, great, great recommendation. Thank you very much for your time. We have gone well over time, so I appreciate um, your patience and and your time today. Um, So, and if people want to get in touch with you, how do they do that? Please reach out through um, LinkedIn and uh, you can also reach out via your Zurich and One Path BDM. Happy to have a chat. I know Phil got his his one-on-one consultation session today, but we might be able to do something for you as well. But thank you so much, Phil, for having me. I loved it. It was great fun. Awesome. Thanks, Mel. Appreciate it. Bye. Thanks for joining us today. If you've enjoyed this episode and you think someone else will get value out of it, I'd love it if you could forward it on to them. And as always, we can continue the conversation in the My Risk Advisor Facebook group. All you need to do, open up Facebook and search My Risk Advisor and I'll see you in there.